Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move. We're vibing through the book 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Koo, and in today's episode, we're talking about that one time in the Bible where the writers got lazy and just plagiarized from an earlier story in the book. If you're wondering, what are we talking about? Genesis chapter 26, verses 6 to 11. We're hanging out with a bald eagle. Good to see you, buddy. Um, one of these stories, like this is one of those reoccurring stories, and I'm really excited to be able to explore this, maybe from a new vantage point, because it's one of those stories where it's like, my goodness, are we not learning our lessons yet? Like, why are we still entering these kind of similar patterns over and over and over. And you and I were talking behind the scenes a little bit about this concept of like the kinds of curses that are uh, kind of plaguing us generation by generation by generation. There's this, there's these passages that seem to success that there are curses that will kind of transcend from father to son to father to son, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it reminds me of our good friend Chico, uh, who way back when, when he was, before he was a believer, he was told that his family was cursed by mm. like these demonic spirits and this was actually a regular part of their experience. They were constantly plagued by these, what would we would seem, demonic oppression. And it's just interesting how their belief at the time was that their whole family was cursed, that every kid that came in under the family was cursed. And from that perspective, it kind of seems like this story would make sense with that kind of perspective of the world because we are seeing Isaac here doing the same exact thing that his daddy was doing just, was it six chapters ago? And I'm, I'm curious, have you ever bought into the idea or ever believed for yourself in some meaningful sense that maybe you yourself were cursed by the mistakes of previous generations or anything like that? Was that something that ever entered your mind before? I, I think I had like at some point in my life, I think I heard that generational curses were a thing. And so I was almost like predisposed to look for it. Yeah. Okay. You know what what I are mean? you looking for? Oh man, that is a great question. I feel like we should get my dad on here and be like, Dad, <laughs> Dad, <laughs> Dad, what are all the things that you were doing that I can talk about on here or whatever? You know, like mm -hmm. I, I do know that I definitely looked up to my dad and identified a lot with the things that I got from my dad. 
Like my yeah. dad is a pastor and he's very like, I, I feel like he's well loved. Like a lot of people love my dad and he is a lovable guy and he loves people very dearly. He's very cheerful and positive and, and I definitely identified with all of those things. Uh-huh. Um, And so I can tell you one of the things that he has been very open about hmm. that I also can relate with is that this this love that he would give, it almost seemed to come from a place of insecurity. Ooh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. of I'm not quite um, sure that I'm enough without you loving me. And so, Ooh. you know, almost this insecurity of like, I'm, I'm, I know my thoughts hmm. and, and I'm a, a evil human. And because of these things, like we're all broken and I just I just want to love you so that you know that you're lovable because sometimes I don't believe that I am. And so that yeah. type of like pattern definitely, you know, has You've seen it repeated in your life. itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Me and my yeah. dad, a lot of family members will be like, You're so much like your dad. And you know, there's good to that because like you said, your father's a fantastic human being, but I've also like, cause I've, I've paid attention to the episodes that you've been featured on for death to life. And I know that while that's a strength and it's something we absolutely want to honor and respect, it also has led you down some dark paths in seeking the approval of others. And it was part of the major deception that you lived in for so long. For me, it was kind of similar. I remember one moment when I was a kid, my dad, like sitting me down to have this talk and I, I forget exactly the words that he used, but the sentiment that was communicated was that Justin, be careful because coup men, we struggle with, with lust. And I think that that was imprinted on me. And, and I think that he was trying to say something without saying it because my dad is a man with a history. He's got a past and things didn't always work out for him. And so I think he was trying to caution me and warn me. He was in his mind, maybe doing a very good thing towards me in, in letting me become slightly aware of maybe mm. where I would struggle. But it was definitely something that was imprinted on my mind in such an extent that I Maybe like you were saying earlier, I looked for it or I sought it out. Maybe it was in a certain respect, a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so it got me thinking a little bit about what Jesus was saying. I think it's in the book of John or whatever, but he says a really interesting thing. He says, you, he says it maybe in a more eloquent way, but he says, you're just like your dad. You remember when he's talking to the Pharisees, yeah. like you are like your father, the devil. And that's like a really strong statement, right? But yeah, yeah. it's a really interesting thing because here we see Isaac is just like his dad. He is following in the footstep, maybe because this was what was modeled for him, maybe because he was predisposed in some conversation like you and I might have been, but something is happening here where he's doing the same thing that his dad was doing. Yeah, man. Okay. And so for context, in case, in case for whatever reason, we've got listeners that haven't read it yet. Okay. Um, I read this story and I was shook. I literally wanted to like yell like, are you serious? Like, I actually, I'll be honest. I was reading and I had to double check that I was reading the right text. Because the, the last, right? Yes. Like, I think it was the last time we talked or at least one of the episodes we did together a few weeks ago. We literally read the exact same words of Abraham doing this twice. And I was like, oh, I must have, I must have looked at the wrong passage that we're supposed to be going over together. Yep, yep, yep. Because and turns out, and no, I don't it's, think, it's, it's the right passage. It's the same story, copy and paste. Copy and paste. Let's just swap a couple names. Like it's an ad lib. You know the yeah. Mad Libs back <laughs> the in the Mad day Lib. when you yeah, that's right. Mad Libs and you can just reuse. It's like, man, Mo, whoever wrote this, if it's Moses or or whoever, whoever wrote this, he just wrote this exact same thing and changed the names to Isaac instead of Abram and Abimelech instead of 
no, no, the no. Egyptian or the... Well, this is the same thing. Something I learned, because I was actually kind of confused. Uh, Abimelech, it's the same in uh, chapter 20. I think it's also an Abimelech that happens. So one thing I did learn is that Abimelech isn't actually use of a singular person's name, but it's actually the way that the Bible describes Ooh. Philistine kings of that era. And so maybe it was the same Abimelech. And if it's the case, like, sorry, dude, like this guy has been screwed over by this family (laughs) on multiple occasions, multiple occasions. He's finding out that God's going to curse his family, make his entire nation barren kind of thing. Like you're going to die because you've touched my anointed one. Like that happened in the past. And now he sees, I I love the way that this particular iteration is he's looking down from a a window and the NIV, it says he sees Isaac caressing his wife, Rebecca, like PDA dude, like, come on, go find a room. But he sees this uh, Isaac caressing his wife and he's like, what are you doing, man? You just told me that she was your sister, your sister, bro. Okay. And this just hit me. I like, we talked about this other thing. One is before I, before I close that loop and move to another, I want to make sure we do close the loop. I mean, before we move to another one, this idea of Abram did this where he was afraid that somebody would take his wife because she was beautiful. And so he lied. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, now we see Isaac doing the exact same thing. And so I just think the simple thing is like the enemy, the, the adversary, Satan, the, the lies of this world, they don't have to get creative. Right. It's same like the repeat. same thing over and yeah, over yeah, on yeah. repeat. And it can be a, a bummer. And we'll come back to that. I'm sure when we close, but this thing that just struck me is that Abimelech is looking out from a window and sees a man and his wife, and the wife is beautiful. And this guy, he goes, right. hey, that's not okay. Like, whoa. But yeah. you see the connection. Yeah. I, I, we're, well, I'm thinking, uh, let me take a guess. I don't know if this is where you're going, but I'm hearing the story of David and Bathsheba. Yes. <laughs> but it. David, the you know, the actual king of Israel, the right. one who's a, a the son of God in this way, right? He sees and he's like, oh, I'm going to take. Yep. Yep. Whereas the, gonna, the, the non chosen one, the part, the guy who's not part of God's, you know, chosen people he sees and he's like, Oh yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Like I want to do the right and honorable thing. Whereas God's guy is like, yeah, that's mine. I'm going to take it for myself, even though I know that I shouldn't be. And so it, it reminds me in this case that the story, especially as we're going through Genesis of, as we're going through the old Testament, what God is revealing through scripture is not the Israelites' faithfulness. If mm-hmm. anything, it's that they are even less faithful than the pagan nations around them. Right. But it's a story of his faithfulness, Amen. that he is able to keep his promise even through the most unfaithful characters in the story. <laughs> Which if that doesn't give you hope, like if that doesn't give us hope, then I don't know what will. Like what is that New Testament text that even if we are faithless, mm-hmm. he, is, he faithful. is faithful. And that's yeah. what we see demonstrated Amen. in this story. And, and and this this is what we should be taking away. I think I love the way that you bring this out because he is faithful and he's not just faithful to kind of just some of the maybe less obvious about how it impacts us. Like we've been talking a lot about like there's a promised son who's coming. There's this child of promise coming. And he's going to be faithful to the covenant. It's like, yeah, okay, cool, cool, cool. God did all those things. Yeah, I heard that in Sabbath school or Sunday school or whatever the case is. But how it applies to us, if if in fact we feel like we're the Isaac of the story, if in fact we feel like we're the Abraham of the story, where we are maybe trapped under this cycle, right, that, that maybe has been yeah. uh, showing itself up from generation to generation to generation, how is God faithful in that moment? Well, God is faithful because he's actually broken those cycles. He's freed us from the, from, from the past and he's given us a new father, right? You are just 
like your father, the devil. It's Ooh, like, actually now we've been adopted and grafted into a new family with new, new routines, with new cycles. And now we're going to be just like our father, except Amen. for this time, our father is faithful. Yes. Ooh, ooh, we got a new daddy. <laughs> you got a new daddy. We got a, we got a new daddy. And I actually, if I were to tie it back again to, you know, my own story, testimony, kind of, I'm, I'm reminded of, you know, when God was changing my life, and I remember it was breaking my, my earthly father's heart to mm. see me going through something and to be making mm. mistakes. And he wanted so badly to, to like take me out of it and to, wow. to shield me from it. And I remember telling him like, like, God, like, Dad, you did a good job mm-hmm. because you handed me over to my Father in heaven. Like, yeah. And I, I could not be growing in this new life if he was, like, God was not my Father first. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm okay, but like, I need to go through this on my own to be okay in Him. Ooh. And so, like, I just had to affirm my dad, like, Dad, you did great. Yeah. Because look, I'm going through this. With him, but you cannot shield me from it. Yeah. He is my shield. And I remember, yeah, man, it was just this beautiful thing about like, like I've got a new dad, mm-hmm. which has made me appreciate now my earthly father so much more, right? Like yeah. me and my dad, we just had a call this morning. We were on the phone for an hour and a half. We talk every Thursday just to talk about God. And like, I'm trying to learn from my dad about what it's like to be a spiritual leader because my dad's mm-hmm. been incredible and he's got so much wisdom to give me. But I'll tell you what, in my old life, that's never happening. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, man, that that slaps differently now as a father. Um, you know, mm. because my only perspective was as the son in the equation, right? And I could think about maybe on a more cynical time of my life, how all the ways that my parents didn't do this or didn't do that, right? And I think now mm. with some maturity, I can actually have the perspective that you have. It's like, listen, they're human. They did the very best that they could. E- even though I had some issues to work through, they had their perfect intention. They always were at least reaching for what was best for me albeit maybe kind of uh, with, with mistakes along the way. That's, that's the sure. best that anyone could be expected. But now that I'm on the other side of the equation, now that I'm a dad to Mateo, I'm filled with the same angst, like, oh my goodness, I want to get this right. And I'm sure mm. every dad ever, every mother ever has felt that. I want to get mm. things right. I don't want to make up the same, I don't want to make the same mistake that my, my, my previous you know, generation has made. And yet we end up on that cycle. And so the good news hits differently for me now. It's not so much just that I can be freed from the cycles of my parents and that I can do better, but also that even where I trip up, God's my son's mm. father. Amen. That yes, I've been given stewardship over his life, but he's really the one taking care of Mateo. And that to me is where I really want to lean on is that, you know what? Yes, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe I'm going to get things better. I might still make some mistakes, but ultimately, even when I fall short, God is faithful and God is in control of leading my son. And that's something that I can take to the bank. So Tyler, you have mentioned that you want to share a book with our friends. I'm looking at the the kind of the document that we share for all these episodes. It says, if Jesus loves me, why isn't this working book? And I don't know what the book is. I don't know who the author is, but I've felt so kind of aligned with this question at different stages of my life. Like, man, I'm trying my best. I'm going to church. I'm doing all the things. Why is it not working? So I'm really curious, what are you plugging today? And, and, and what is it, what is it all about? How do we, how does this, is it a book? Is it a podcast? What is it? I'm curious. Yeah, it is a book. And the title of it is, If Jesus Loves Me, Why Isn't This Working? Profound. Like, what a great title, right? Because yep, I think yep. so many people do identify with that question. And uh, 
it, I mean, there's a very short story behind it. When Morgan's life, my wife, when it was transformed uh, and she received the Holy Spirit, she immediately had to go for work to Texas. And mm. she was really bummed. We were doing all this cool stuff in Lincoln together. And and it was like, man, why do we? Ha- why did she have to leave? You know, her first day at work and her boss at this secular occupational therapy clinic hands her a book and says, here's your homework for your first day. And it was, if Jesus loves me, why isn't this working? And it turns out that her boss is a believer. And first and foremost, she just preaches the gospel. And so (laughs) Morgan read this book and it was incredible. Hmm. And we shared it immediately with a few people. And I bought it. I know I bought it for my brother who I'd been hoping would, would get the gospel in this way. His name's Nicholas. And he read a little bit and got annoyed and put it away. And a couple months later, he picked it back up and he was reading it again. And it was after reading this book that the Holy Spirit communicated to him that truth on the inside that only the Holy Spirit can communicate that you are God's child and he Mm -hmm. loves you. And something settled in my brother's heart. And so all I can say about the book is um, it's a story that is written like it, it happened for real. But it's a it's a guy that got letters from God. And so the majority of the book is these letters from God. But mm. it is just so beautiful. It takes biblical truths and just puts them in as though God is saying them to you. Mm. And so um, I cannot recommend it highly enough to anybody that would like to know what God says about them. Well, well let me just say that anything that the Holy Spirit is using to communicate a, a person's value to them, like in a personal way, that is something that I'm excited about. That's something that I'm yes, curious sir. about. So I'm very glad that your your brother had this experience. What a beautiful testimony and what a cool moment that Morgan was able to kind of introduce this to him because of a cool co-worker suggesting a book. And so I'm glad right. that we have these spots at the end of our episode to recommend great materials. Again, the title is If Jesus Loves Me, Why Isn't This Working? Check it out. I'm sure it's online. If you're curious, we have the links to that book in the description below this episode.